0: Alien, 1979, with Kevin Batchelder. In this episode, Kevin Batchelder will explain the impact Alien had on him. You'll also find out why drinking beer before seeing this movie the first time might not be the best idea in the world. And finally, Kevin shares exactly what he left behind in that theater seat all those years ago. Ew.
1: I am here with the one, the only, and and again, I just realized I've pretty much introduced everyone that way, (laughs) which I guess technically, right? You are the one, the only. On this given episode, yes. You are. I am the focus. The world revolves around me for Correct. a select few minutes. Indeed. Kevin, king of the B movie fans. You like that? Huh? <laughs> Batchelder. He is here. Yes. <sighs> I expected better sound effects than that. I know. I, I don't even have the iPad hooked up.
2: <laughs> Come on. That's okay. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. It, you know, got to be consistent. We started that way years ago. We're going to keep doing it that. I know.
1: Way. I, I, I told my wife the other night, I said, Kevin Batchelder, and I actually said it normal, so don't be disappointed. <laughs> I said, he's like, he's like my Obi-Wan Kenobi of podcasting. And she kind of looked oh, at me funny. And then I realized it's kind of like calling you old, but that's not really what I meant. It.
2: Hey, it's accurate, man. I it, embrace it, it. What can yeah, I say?
1: No, I know. Cause you've helped me out a lot. So, and I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a whiny little ass, like Luke Skywalker in the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. There are definitely
2: some parallels there. Now, if both of us can be just that much successful in the podcasting world.
1: Yeah, I'll take it. Yep. All right, so Mr. Batchelder, you are here tonight, today, this morning, whenever somebody's listening to this, to talk about a movie, a scary, scary movie, a movie that may have made you pee your pants a little bit. (laughs) When did you first see Sleepaway Camp? (laughs) So, yes, you are here to talk about a classic, one of my all-time favorites, and I've only said that to, like, a couple people so far. (laughs) But the movie, I I love this movie. Oh, yes. Would you like to let the cat out of the bag, even though, technically, if someone's listening to this episode from the beginning, it was said at the very beginning, but that's not the point. What movie (laughs) are you covering?
2: Uh, We are going to talk today about none other than Alien from 1979. That's a good one. Is it ever? I mean, I it's funny when I, when you put out your call to folks to do it, I mean, horror has never been my number one genre. I mean, I enjoy some, you know, some more than others. Um, but I'm the big sci-fi and uh, fantasy geek. So, you know, when I was younger and yes, this was a movie I saw in the theaters, folks, I am that old. Um, you know, I saw, oh, a sci-fi movie, let's
1: go see it. And, you know, it's yeah, it's sci-fi, but well, it is so not sci-fi. Well, and especially since it came out two years after Close Encounters. So I, I, I imagine, uh, how old were you approximately in the late eighty, or late late eighties? Yeah, late seventies. <laughs> uh, I when this film was out, I was nineteen years old. Okay, so this teenage Kevin, probably, mm-hmm. obviously, I am assuming, huge Star Wars fan. Probably, oh yeah, I am assuming. I am assuming loved Close Encounters. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. So here comes this movie called Alien. Yeah. And I'm sure you're thinking, oh, cool, a new sci-fi movie that exactly. will just be about traveling to new worlds and seeing yeah, new creatures I mean, that just happen to hump your face and plant a seed <laughs> in your belly.
2: I mean, for those of you who aren't as old or close as old as I am, you'll remember that we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have 76 release trailers. We didn't mm-hmm. have all the details of a film. We were lucky if we saw the movie poster in the newspaper. So, yep. you know, you went in with little more than... A couple of sentences about a film, and it just looked like it was sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And boy, was it! I won't say it's not, but oh, you know, it is! No, <laughs> it is. But oh my goodness! I mean, mm-hmm. I think there are still pieces of my fingernail in that <laughs> theater seat from holding on uh, that night. I saw it on a late-night showing again. Late teens, kind of oh, with my couple of buddies. This could be cool. Let's go see
1: this. And, oh yeah, you know, we're kind of we're close to drinking age, so let's have a few beers before we go in. <laughs> And it's the late 70s. You're like, hey, let's do a little LSD. What's going to hurt? <laughs> oh, man. I, geez. What an impact. I mean, what
2: a great film, obviously, but just what an impact. Think about going into, again, a film like this being surprised by the sheer terror of the horror side of this thing.
1: Yeah. Well, especially it's such a slow burn at the beginning, too. Yeah, it's a story up. You know, and you know what it
2: reminded me a little bit of from the very early parts was a lot like. Um, 2001, a space off Sure, yeah. Lots of great visuals, very slow. Things are slowly playing out. And, you know, 2001 doesn't exactly spin quite the way Alien does, you know? So, yeah. And then all of a sudden, when everything starts happening, I mean, it is a... Like I said, I held on to that theater seat. You know, please, let me get out of this alive. Please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I'll never drink again. I, I'll never drink and go to a movie again.
1: Yeah, it was quite the experience. So, when as best you can I realized it was a few years ago <laughs> but do you recall the moment you went oh crap what did I just get myself into was it was it about the point when uh um it's not Ash is the Android uh, we, uh William hurt's character or John hurt
0: yeah John, John hurts Kane hurt. ca-
1: yeah, that's it yes yep. when Kane is Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen Alien again, I've said yeah. this on a, several other episodes. Really, folks, if you're listening to this, come on.
2: Thirty-five years later, yeah, come on, you ahead. have to have seen Alien.
1: Yeah, but just in case, was it the moment with the face hugger, the egg? Yes, or it was the egg. Was that was that the moment you were of- like, oh crap?
2: Yeah, I mean, like as we said, that that's the thriller aspect. But when that thing jumped out of the egg and and everything just went up a notch from there, it was a whole new movie, uh, as you know. And that's when it really, I think that's when it really dawned on me that i was in for a lot more than i thought i had when i came into this film
1: which which i have to imagine was only compounded by the fact that that egg face hugger scene happens and then but then again there's a lull right while yeah. they're while they're studying it and you're thinking okay okay it's just okay it's, it's an yeah. alien. this is the this is probably the worst thing that can but happen then it's dinner time <laughs> dinner time on the old nostromo <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 and when he jumps uh, out and he goes hello my baby hello my honey hello my ragtime gal spaceballs reference continue
2: <laughs> i still and i rewatch this thing a lot and, and i still that scene at the table now i have a hard time watching that whole thing it's rough it's rough you know i mean even no one coming in so uh amazing kudos to him and and the whole setup and The thing that is even more amazing now all these years later for many of us, as we know, it's watching all the behind the scenes stuff and realizing, you know, kind of went into it and it's just a guy in a giant suit and, you know, it's pretty, you know, I won't say low budget, but, but it wasn't exactly big budget for the time and how they were able to, you know, Ridley Scott was able to create that on screen just really makes you appreciate, you know, everything about it.
1: Oh yeah. And just for instance, the little things too, I want to say it was in the book shock value by an author named Jason Zinneman. He, covered the, I don't know if you call them really the Brat Pack, but the Brat Pack of filmmakers from the 70s, the, you know, the, but specifically horror, like it's always usually Spielberg, Scorsese, Coppola, you know, those guys, mm-hmm. this guy's focus was on Craven, a bit of Cunningham, throw in Hooper, throw in Carpenter, and Dan O'Bannon was covered quite a bit, right? which is one of the most in-depth things that i had ever read about O'Bannon, because he doesn't get covered very much. And, of course, Dan O'Bannon is at least originally credited with the screenplay.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look, if we are to believe the IMDb, um Dan O'Bannon is listed first, but okay. you've also, because uh, got, he's got the credit for story and screenplay, but also story, you've got someone named Ronald
1: Shusett. I just remember there being his original screenplay having issues, Mm-hmm. I just I'm, out the top of my head. I'm trying to remember what they were, but I just I remember there was a lot of things that Ridley Scott and and producers were not huge fans of within as it related to the screenplay, and then that's why they they brought the other writer in to fix things up. But I know originally the intent. I don't know that Rip. Well, Ripley originally was male. I know that, and then you know presuming that. Mr. Scott is the one who said, no, you know, let's try to mix this up, make it a female. But I also think he was the one that wanted to downplay her heroic qualities so that you really didn't know who was going to be left in the end. Because that oh, was the only thing when you go back, everybody thinks of Ripley and it's like Sarah Connor and, oh, she kicks alien buckets of aliens. But truthfully, in this movie, if you had no context of who Ripley was, she could have croaked just as easily as anybody else.
2: Oh, at any time. Well, that's that's the thing that really, you know, worked out so well, too. Once things started going bad, at least me, uh, certainly early on in my viewing of this film and, and other times fairly early on that was so good was this wasn't the, okay, this is our lead, therefore they're safe. This is the secondary. And it, it was like, okay, this is a, uh, you know, a collection of folks and any of them could be dead within the next five minutes. So that's even more tension every time as they end up getting split up, you know, as things play out. You're like, okay, I can't tell who's who's going to be alive, dead, you know, what's going to happen? So it was very tense. You didn't have time where it's like, okay, this is my, uh, like many films, certainly. Okay, this is the break. I can go get popcorn, go to the bathroom. I'm not going to miss anything important. You didn't dare leave. <laughs> if it wasn't
1: in the first 30 minutes, no, you didn't.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Once face hunger <laughs> moment came, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we, again... Back in the day when we weren't able to get these things on DVD or videotape, you know, you, you wanted to make sure for your entire, you know, couple of minute, excuse me, couple of hour run, because this thing is a little over two hours. That yeah, once it kicks in, man, strap yourself in.
1: Now, this was re-released in the theater, I want to say around its 20th anniversary, so around 99, because I went and saw it. And there's a handful of movies that I've had the fortunate pleasure to, that I've grown up with, that I've seen multiple times. And then seeing them in the theater, this was one of them, Exorcist, Raiders, movies like that. It's amazing to me that no matter how many times I'd seen this movie, when, by just seeing it in the theater that one time, the difference it really made seeing it on the big screen.
2: Well, and it, to me, it's not so much even seeing it because I think I know where you're kind of going. It's more of the experience when you go in that dark theater. And you focus totally on the film. Let's face it. We all, not all, but many of us have nice bigger screen TVs, HD, even nice room setups. But, you know, the kids can still come running in. The the phone can ring. The wife can walk in and tell you, you know, the, the trash can got knocked over. You go to that theater, you are immersed. That's it. This is the only thing, not only the size of the screen and the visual things, but it's that experience that we don't tend to get as much now. We enjoy them at home, but it's just not the same as being at a theater where you've got yourself totally focused.
1: This is true. Or in some cases, some of us watch it on a laptop computer and a two-hour <laughs> movie takes four and a half hours because they have three young kids that like to come in about every 10 minutes and go, Yeah, I mean that's,
2: that's the reality. We all have to face it. So, yeah, yeah the right. opportunity to go and see it at a theater, especially a classic yep. like, like the ones you've described or other ones any of us have had. I mean, I barely go to the theater anymore myself for new movies now, you know, a couple of times a year. Maybe it's just not my style. I invested at home for that reason. But I still, when I go as corny as it sounds, even as old as I am now, even uh, I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy uh, with my daughter and her boyfriend not long ago. And it was just, it it just reminds me of how fun it is. It was like being a kid. It really is like being a kid again, you know, run down, get that good seat and all kind of sit there and you get ready. And then the movie starts and everybody shuts up and you enjoy it, you know, but yeah, that's that experience. And that's why I say seeing that film in this way you know totally going in cold i mean none of us it's so hard to do it now in films we all get so mean how hard you try you gotta i mean you gotta be a pro to avoid uh trailers and i mean i know jason talks about a lot he wants to but it's so tough nowadays so imagine seeing a great film like this or anything else nowadays and going in cold
1: it doesn't happen so you would say it holds up then kevin do you feel it holds up for you <laughs> I, I i'm gonna go out on a limb and and I might be by myself, but I think you so. You probably are. I think you may be.
0: And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually,
1: Alien is one of those strange movies for me because I typically, so I subscribe a bit more, and I've said this before, that to the idea that horror doesn't necessarily have to be full-blown supernatural, but that element of the unknown, that element of mystery, and, and it, it leans, obviously leans more towards a supernatural bent in my mind. Right. Alien, though, is not supernatural. It's Straight up science fiction, but (laughs) it's so structured like a monster in a haunted house kind of movie. And it's so obviously pulling from like, that's it. it, In my mind, it's almost paying more homage to the haunted house movie or the monster on the loose kind of thing than it is to even science fiction, like pure science fiction. It's just a science fiction setting that that's what it is. It's a science fiction setting with a monster. It yes. just happens to be a quote unquote alien because it's from another planet. Whereas if it was from our planet, then it would be supernatural. Mm-hmm. So yep. I-, I give it a total pass. Horror movie, just like the second one's more of an action movie than it is a science fiction movie.
2: Oh, it's a total shoot 'em up thriller. But it's awesome. Action. But it's incredible. Yeah. it's oh. And that's another one that, you know, I remember seeing that one in the theater, too. And just loving it for the fact it was similar but different. I mean, it just got me to love the whole universe again.
1: Yeah, if anybody needs a template for how you make a good sequel, Aliens. Yes. Into story. Yeah. That's well, it, right it doesn't there. doesn't hurt to have James Cameron at the it really. Either. Oh, I'm sorry, and hire James Cameron. <laughs> if you can do those two things, you are set. Use Aliens <laughs> as your template.
0: Yeah. And James let's Cameron, face it, you know? gun for hire.
1: <laughs> well, Kevin, I really appreciate you doing this. I know you are a busy man with busy things and a busy life, and I appreciate you taking the time.
2: My pleasure. Always great talking to you. I always have fun.
1: You can, of course, find Mr. Batchelder. I said it almost. I almost went there, but I didn't do it. <laughs> At the Saturday B-movie reel. I think tuning into sci-fi tv.com is the, that kind of links to everything, correct? Yes,
2: it does. Everything rolls off yep. there. And I just <laughs> want
1: you to know, I am, in fact, subscribed to the Saturday B-movie reel. Cool. And I, I love listening to, I see, to me, I just love how structured and informative you are about movies that have mega Python piranha <laughs> boobies in them, you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I do. I've gotten some other comments which I greatly appreciate. Thank you. With folks that you know for some really crappy movies that I enjoy, dude, you really go deep on these things. I'm like,
1: hey, See, I love that. I love. I mean, I'm the kind of person that will watch the behind the scenes sometimes of a movie. You know, before I not necessarily before I watch the movie if I haven't seen the movie, but certainly if I've seen the movie, if I get the DVD, I may not watch the movie for a long time, but I will watch all the documentary. I love the in-depth yeah. analysis, and you're very good at that.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. No, yeah. and that's why I enjoy. If I'm going to cover a movie, like you said, no, no matter what the name is or what the IMD rating is, mm-hmm. I'm going to go inside and go deep.
1: And well, and and uh, and I love that you do it from a place of love. Yeah, I don't know. It's more to me coming from a place of just love and excitement for something is better than becoming a snarky dick about it, which mm-hmm. I found myself doing a couple of times like I don't want to be that guy. I mean, yeah. I made a few movies. They were crap. They didn't go anywhere, but it's hard work and I just don't want to make fun of it. <laughs> it's hard work. I don't yes, care what you. it
2: got. is. It is. And that's part of the appreciation. And and it's really nice when some of the filmmakers or the actors that have been in some of these smaller films. When you say smaller, I mean from a revenue point of view, folks. I I get a message from them. They appreciate that, you know, yeah, I don't don't dump on them. And let's face it, they're not gone with the wind, but you know, that doesn't mean they're not fun, or they're not enjoyable, or we can't respect the people who put a good amount of their time or effort into doing them.
1: It's easy to put people down. And I'm always reminded, one of my favorite quotes ever is the Teddy Roosevelt from 1910, Man in the Arena. I don't know if you're familiar with that speech, but the whole idea of the one that counts is the one in the arena, the person who's, you know, bleeding and sweating and they may lose. They may be beaten, but they at least tried. That's and, right. And all of those voices in the stands that have all that crap to say. And by the way, I might be paraphrasing Teddy Roosevelt a smidge here. <laughs> and they have all that crap to say <laughs> they don't count because they didn't even get down there and try. It's they you, weren't. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, you, that you're willing to you know, put yourself out there as a podcaster, the fact that they're willing to put themselves out there as filmmakers and artists and do the best they can with what they have. And mm-hmm. I, I applaud all of you.
2: No, yeah, thank you. And I, I, I get a real kick out of the fact, for example, that I got an interview uh, up on our podcast site a good three months before Sharknado aired with the writer talking about it before anybody even wanted to talk to him.
1: Nice. Yeah. I bet it, it, now every, everyone and their brother wants to right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So, and that was simply because out of love for the concept of the film and the craziness of it. So it hit it big. I think that's wonderful for him. But it's still the same kind of interview I do if no one ever heard of the film beyond close family and friends, you know,
1: but see, that's a level of authenticity and sincerity that I know I appreciate. And I imagine the vast majority of your audience appreciates because it's pretty transparent when somebody is doing it just because it's a big thing. Now, not to say there's anything wrong with interviewing somebody who's had a big movie come out at all. It's not the issue, but if that's like you said, if you treated someone differently, right. You know,
2: yep. So it's fun. And I appreciate the kind words, Joel. It's, it's not like it's a, uh, you know, heavy duty, uh, amount of planning other than just, uh, respecting the film and having some fun with it for the sake of some entertainment for people who want to listen.
1: Indeed. Well, thank you again, Kevin,
2: well, hey, thank you for, you know, the self. I mean, you and Jason have put together so much great stuff over the years. I mean, we'd love that you guys give it yourselves. And you're honest. Like you said, sometimes the film's not as entertaining. And you can tell in your voices, but Dave that's okay. Man. Yes, that's a cla- <laughs> that is definitely a cornerstone for that side of the discussion. But even so, you guys are fun to listen to. And, and it's just always been entertaining. Always. Even when the movie's are crap, you yeah. guys are not.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. And a special thanks to Kevin Batchelder. You can find out more about Kevin Batchelder and listen to his excellent podcast at tuningintoSciFiTV.com. Looking for more spooky fun? Why not head on over to ForgottenFlicks.com, where you can sign up to receive free updates and something horrific delivered to your inbox every day in October. See you soon!